Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The memories. The clock is down to 48 seconds. 20 to 10, Colorado leads Nebraska. They have waited a long time for this. So many times, the red flood has come into Folsom Field, and they have gone back across the border to the north, a winner. It won't be this time. The Stories. Brucott to the corner for Carrington, intercepted! Colorado got it! Witherspoon! With the biggest play in Colorado football for years. And now, as a supplement to over 40 years worth of CU football coverage in the CU at the Game archives, here is Stewart with his CU at the Game podcast. Greetings, Buff fans from CU at the Game. This is Stuart Whitehair, publisher and editor for the CU at the Game website, and your host for the See You at the Game podcast. Are you ready for some football? Okay, are you at least ready for the Buffs to don pads for the first time in the Deion Sanders era? The Buffs are opening spring practices with 96 scholarship players, already 11 over the maximum allowed come August. So competition for roster spots over the next five weeks will be intense. I am joined for this podcast by Brad Geiger and Neil Langland, And we'll go through each unit of the roster asking two questions. Who are the names CU fans should be listening for when coaches talk with the press? And which questions about the roster and depth chart should the Buff Nation expect to be answered this spring? Pretty much everything Coach Prime has done since taking over the Buffs in December has moved the program forward. And CU fans will be expecting great things this spring. This primer will give you the names and position battles to keep an eye on as we work toward the nationally televised spring game on April 22nd. What do you need to know in order to impress your fellow Buff fans with your knowledge of all things CU? Let's find out. Okay, and we are back and joined for this podcast by self-proclaimed genius, from Highlands Ranch, Brad Geiger. I believe that was your phrase just right before we went on the air that you were a genius. I, I think that may be a slight misinterpretation of my point, but we would <laughs> the viewer, the listeners will always be the judge. So <laughs> fair enough. And from downtown Denver, not really at the basement of Norland Library, Neil Langland. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing fine. And I think. You know, Brad said it with a high degree of humility. So I think I think it's accurate to characterize him as such. And I'm about a quarter mile away from what tomorrow night down in Denver here, I think is going to be quite a place. You know, the uh, the tournament starts, I'm not sure if it's Thursday night or Friday night when it starts here. Thursday night. So it's going to be a big, big day down here tomorrow. Yeah, it has. Uh, tickets are at a premium. Ah, well, they were not going fast for the CU Seton Hall game in the first <laughs> round of the NIT. Good seats no. were still available. Right um, up to game time. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, you know, play at nine o'clock at night on a weeknight with two days notice. You're probably not going to get a huge crowd, but mm-hmm. ESPN really didn't care. And CU won the game. So at this point, CU doesn't care either. So. Right. But we have plenty to talk about as we are on the verge, the dawning of the, the cusp, coach, as it were, the cusp of the coach prime era with pads as spring practices begin. So we are going to go through the roster, all 96 scholarship players as we stand today, and talk a little bit about each unit and what names we expect to uh, 
be hearing about, hopefully to listen for, because we're probably not going to get a lot of, you know, coverage in practice. We're going to hear about it from the coaches and maybe get some videos from internal, but we're not going to get a lot of media practice access. So names to listen for and then questions that we'd like to be answered over the course of the next six weeks or so before we get to the spring game on ESPN, April 22nd. Of course, we got to start with the quarterbacks. And despite the fact that CU has 11 more scholarship players than they're allowed right now, there seems to be a dearth of names to cover in the quarterback room. Brad, you want to rattle off the three scholarship names that are actually going to be practicing in Boulder this spring? Well, I mean, the bottom line is that it's um, it's it's a narrow group. We are putting most of our eggs in the basket of Shadur Sanders. You know, that is preferably a strong basket, but it is a scary one. Um, and the backup, Drew Carter, who showed a bit of talent in his tiny amount of work last year, is there to, we hope, back up and there to, we hope, provides some um at least some relief in practice. And uh, and then uh, redshirt Col- freshman Colton Allen, who we know nothing about. Well, he's just a walk-on. Ryan Staub. Yeah, excuse um, me. Ryan Staub is the guy. He came in early entry. Right. And so so we, we do have a scholarship freshman and a redshirt uh, walk-on freshman. Neil is our greatest fear that we get to the spring game with two injured quarterbacks and Drew Carter is being quarterback for both sides. I, uh, yeah, I mean, that's like having the Speaker of the House rise to the presidency. I think we're in real trouble in this position behind a what could be a shaky to okay offensive line. Uh, I think we have to expect that our quarterbacks are going to see a lot of rush and possibly be injured, at least out for a game or part of a game here and there. And I think what we're doing here is call and roll looking for Bueller trying somebody to fill that spot because right now we don't have really anybody that we know can play. No, not to be too critical, but I don't think uh, Drew Carter is really a power five quarterback at this stage, or at least what we've seen of him so far and having a true freshman be the backup, not a good plan. So we have to find someone in the portal. That's all there is to it. Well, the problem there is, of course, that you're, you know, the the resume you're looking for is someone with starting experience. But if someone has starting experience, they're not going to want to come here and carry a clipboard for a couple of years and miss out on their opportunity to play. So, you know, it's not like being the backup for an NFL team where you can earn a million dollars wearing a uniform and a headset for a season. Brad, I mean, is it even possible to find a quarterback? that has starting experience that is going to be willing to come to Boulder through the transfer portal this spring. Does that kind of a resume exist? To play behind the coach's son. Yeah. Um, He's a talented kid and he's not, he doesn't have the position because he's the coach's son, but it's going to take an extraordinary circumstance. Somebody who just wants to play football somebody who's been starting and gotten beaten out by the hot young fresh, the hot freshman or something like that, perhaps a coaching change. But this idea that there's a magic backup out there, it's scary, but of course they're going to be looking. They have to. I don't know if Drew Carter can play or not. Uh, He looked like a deer in the headlights last year. But then again, everybody did in that offense. Um, (laughs) So yeah, the, the, you know, in terms of the name you're listening for, you're listening, listening for Drew Carter getting better and Shadur Sanders was upright at the end of the practice. Yeah. I mean, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I can't imagine that the coaching staff thinks that they've got it set, even with Casey Weissman coming in to give us another freshman. I mean, Drew Carter got out past last year by Jordan Tyson. Jordan Tyson actually had one longer completion than Drew Carter's one completion last year. Uh, so yeah, Shadur standards are bust at least for this spring. The running back room, Neil, is a lot more 
interesting. What uh, what name or names would you be interested in hearing about from the, the coaching staff this spring? Well, I want to know what Dylan Edwards has. The Notre Dame, ex-Notre Dame commit. He sounds like a uh, complete running back. I think what I'd like to see from them is something about Victor Venn. He redshirted. He reminds me a lot of Speedy that we had under the first Hawkins years. Uh, smaller back, very muscular, uh, probably quick, quicker than faster. And perhaps working him in as a running back, third down back, maybe slot receiver. I wonder if Jaylee Stacks can be transformed into a, a workable big back. Uh, he showed some signs of doing something. Beyond that, I'm I'm not sure that we've got a real strong room at this point, and we may be looking for someone in the portal again. Not to repeat myself. Okay. Well, Brad, let me give you a quote from running backs coach. I hate to call him Flea. I mean, it's Gary Fer Gary Harrell, and he's he's not a flea. He's a he's a large individual, but the running backs coach. He talked about whether or not you know, having a running back by committee. He said he hated that. We'd like to have find that one guy that's an all-purpose guy. Do we have that guy? We have to go through spring and find out. Deion Smith does some great things. Hankerson is a small guy, but he plays tough. We have some guys coming in. We're going to take our time as far as evaluating guys in the spring to find that right guy. Any chance that one of the four returning scholarship backs is going to turn out to be that guy, or is it Dylan Edwards? Are we going to find out this summer that maybe Caviasi, Caviosi Smoke, who won't be here until the summer, one of the transfers is going to be the answer? Well, I think they're hoping that Caviosi Smoke can take at least some of those carries. But in spring practice, yeah, I mean, somebody's got to step up. Um, we all love Charlie Arfordell, but I don't think any of us believe he's a full-time starting running back in the Pac-12. So, I, I, you know, I, I, while we will not be hearing for Smoke, we will hopefully at least he will be somebody that we can talk about come fall. I think Deion Smith is probably going to get some carries. Um, I agree. I think Victor Venn is, is put up or shut up right now. Uh, that's hard to say for somebody as young as he is, but this roster is going to get tight. And yeah, I think this is a position where they might look to see, you know, who didn't get the starting job at another place, but that's a big room. And with smoke coming in, I, I think they're going to probably, you know, take their chances, see yeah. what they can do. Well, I'm, I'm intrigued by Hankerson. I think he showed some good things this past year. I think Stax has got to kind of decide, does he want to be the fullback, in which yeah. case he can find a way onto the roster, or does he want to be a starting running back, in which case he might be fourth or fifth on the depth chart? Yeah. Um, and Victor Venn, as Neil was talking about, I mean, he was a speedster. He's like one of those track guys. He's from Georgia. We were very excited about him when he got signed last year, but, you know, being a redshirt freshman, he's kind of – dropped off the radar for the last mm -hmm. 12 months. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be interesting to see if there is a any movement in the running back room or if there's going to be some attrition in the running back room, which might be a little bit of both. But uh, there are some backs that CU has on the roster that have produced at least at times, and then there's a couple of transfers coming in that might be trying to take their job. So, and, of course, Dylan Edwards – you know, the flip from Notre Dame is the one that everybody's going to be listening for, at least at the outset this spring, is maybe a, a true freshman that could come in and play. He is an early enrollee, so he is on campus, so we'll find out what he can do. Let's see, who am I going back to? I started with Brad, so we're going back to Brad with wide receivers. Uh, <laughs> 13 scholarship wide receivers. But one, two, three, four, five of them aren't going to be here. Some of these four-star receivers from the recruiting class of 2023 won't be arriving until the summer. So is it going to be 
transfers making a big splash from South Florida? Or is there enough talent there at the University of Colorado's roster to uh, to be starters for a Power 5 team this fall? Uh, no. Um, but there are, there are guys there who can provide um, – you know, can provide some depth, guys who I think will catch balls this year. And that's their chance, uh, particularly in Montana Lomonia's track, get their chance to work with the quarterback and to make themselves show. Um, and I think that's probably who we're going to be like with, with, with Jordan Tyson not playing in the spring either. Right. We're um, just in this situation of that feels as much as anything like a wait and see until the fall. Uh, Horn might be able to play. You know, there's guys there that can do that. You know the name I don't want to hear? I don't want to hear Travis Hunter playing wide receiver. I, I you know, yeah, I understand he's amazingly talented, and I think he will see the field as a wide receiver at some point. But in spring practice, they need to work out who's going to stay in that wide receiver room. I can't imagine that Travis Hunter, who is one of maybe 15 names we know will be on the roster come fall, is going to be, is going to be one of them. Um, so, you know, if we can, it it would be nice. And if we hear Lamonius Craig is catching some balls, that would be great to hear. Okay. Well, Neil, do you, uh, have faith in the South Florida transfers? We got the, both of the top two receivers, Jimmy Horn and Xavier Weaver were the top two receivers for South Florida. Of course, I'll wait for it. The Bulls, like the Buffs were one in 11 last year. So, they had a lot more yards, a lot more catches than anybody at the uh, University of Colorado. But are you counting on the transfers or do you think that, uh, you know, CU's got some, you know, younger players like Grand Page and Chase Sell. I don't know if Sell's going to be healthy enough to participate this spring. You know, Montana Lamonius Craig is in a lot of videos uh, with his quarterback. So at least he's smart enough to get next to Shadur Sanders, uh, maybe making good friends. You know, the one starting returner on the receiver core was Montana Lamonius Craig. Are you thinking he's going to keep the starting job or is it just his, uh, he's just a placeholder until some of these four-star receivers show up this fall? Gee, not a hard question at all, Stu. I'll hammer this out in just a moment. I think MLC probably is their best returning receiver who's going to be available in camp. And we don't know how quickly or how well Tyson's going to recover from his uh, injury. If he's if he's at full strength like he was last year, I would say he Tyson has a good chance to start. But I don't think we're going to see him much in camp at all. And then for the first half of the year, he's probably not going to be up to speed. So I think it's going to be down to MLC, and then the the, the transfers, the guys you mentioned, and. The thing with them is coming from a lower level, a lower division, whether they can stand up to the pace in the Pac-12 and against CU schedule. But I'd have to think that those guys have a shot at displacing everybody except MLC, Tyson, and so on the receiver course. So I think we're going to see new faces. And in fact, in wide receiver sets, we could have all new guys at times. Yeah. I mean, if, push comes to shove the four-star freshmen that come in in the summer are probably going to get the benefit of the doubt over the sophomores or redshirt freshmen that are holdovers from previous years so 13 wide receivers currently on the roster probably not going to be 13 wide receivers come fall uh neil i gave you a hard question so i'll give you an easy question who do you think is going to be the starting tight end <laughs> um um and who's going to care um, well, Brad raises a good question. Should we care? We ask ourselves that question every year. And then just about after every game of the past few seasons is, did we have a tight end? We still have a tight end on the team. I think it has to be the transfer. I'm sorry. The name escapes me at this point. Um, well, it's hard to say. Tato so Traor. Traori. Yeah. Traori. Traori. Yes. Well, that was the real reason. I didn't really forget. I just didn't want to. <laughs> but, you know, he, he sounds like a terrific receiver. I don't think he's an inline tight end, probably more of a move guy or a, a guy they'll flex out or, or slot him. But they need someone who can create mismatches 
and it sounds like he's that guy. So I, I think you have to pencil him in. And I, what's left of that, I think probably from leftovers from last year would be Olsen and Fourier. And Olsen mm-hmm. needs to, I think, concentrate on his catching because I, I think otherwise he seems to block well. But he just needs to get away from the dropsies that he had last year. And I think that that's a good trio. And that's probably, in my opinion, what they're going to go into the fall with. Yeah, there's, you know, six scholarship tight ends and, you know, five of them are sophomores and four are holdovers. And I'd be very surprised if those four between Caleb Fourier, Eric Olson, Austin Smith and Louis Passarello are all on the roster come August 1st. Well, Brad, I mean, you got to be excited to be, you know, we joke about the fact that CU has been planning on using tight ends for the last decade and a half and not actually coming through, but Traore is one of only six tight ends in the country that had 50 catches last year, and he's still learning the game. He was a soccer goalie a couple of years ago. (laughs) He's only been playing football for a couple of years, so Mm -hmm. there's potential there, and I don't know, if Fourier, he tends to get hurt a lot, but, you know, if he can stay healthy, there's room for, you know, probably two, at least two more of those guys are going to make the roster because they can block and need to have more than just one guy that calls himself a tight end. But yeah, there's going to be some real competition between the returners from last season as to whether or not they're going to make the roster this fall because the production, I mean, Treori had 50 catches and yes, it was for Arkansas State, but the four buffs that were played last year as redshirt freshmen had nine catches between them amongst yeah. the four of them. So we don't know if that's talent or coaching. Right. You know, the, the, there did not seem to be a lot of plays called for the tight end last year. Well, they recruited, you know, and- they were all redshirt freshmen. So they were all recruited by their Durrell staff. So at once upon a time, there seemed to have been thoughts that they were going to play, but. Yeah. Didn't seem to play out. Eric Olson was pretty widely hailed when he came in. I thought he I thought he could play. Here's the problem. We're going to have this problem all over the place. Our offense was such a train wreck, dumpster fire, whatever you want to call it. Figuring out, I mean, yes, guys like Tyson who could actually stand out and do something, to stand out in that offense was amazing. It's it's very it perhaps unfair to judge these tight ends by what they couldn't do under the last offense, because, you know, we did, it's very possible that, you know, that uh, Travis Kelsey would have had four catches for 172 (laughs) yards um, total, uh, you know, under that offense with that coaching staff and Fourier, you know, would love to have him come through, but it's not, doesn't look like it. I literally, this is another one of those where Traore may literally be the only guy who gets out of, Certainly, he's the only guy who's guaranteed a position out of spring practice. Right. I mean, some more of those guys will make the team, but I dare anybody to tell you who it's going to be. Yeah, we we need to find out. Yeah, which ones are going to be on the team and which ones are going to be looking for uh, employment elsewhere? Well, Neil, to your specialty, fifteen <laughs> scholarship offensive linemen, a lot of tra- five, six transfers. Five of them are going to be in town for spring practices, three returning starters. So there is a wealth of offensive line talent. Even you have to be impressed with the fact that I think it was either seven or maybe even eight of the offensive linemen on the roster were starting for their teams last November. So Shall we break out the champagne or did you, I think back at the beginning, you're talking about we're going to have a quarterback injured in the first two games because we have a suspect line. So half full, half empty. Where are we at with the offensive line? Well, unlike the uh, bank that's been in the news this week, I'm going to hedge myself just a little (laughs) bit and say of the three returners from last year, I think the best guy, the guy with the best chance to start, excuse me, is probably Wells at center because I I heard him praised um, many times by former coach Barnett. I respect his opinion. Wiley seems like the least likely guy at this point, and Tank 
they may be able to find a spot for him, but my sense is that Washington is going to be slotted in uh, left tackle. And then all of the guys that have been starting at these various other places will be fighting uh, and probably be ahead of, um, of Wiley for the other positions. And we may find even Wells perhaps is not good enough to hold his position against some of the transfers that may be slotted into the center position. So, uh, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's going to be interesting one to see how their offense is focused um, run versus pass, what kind of run scheme they're going to, they're going to, employ, whether it's going to be just a straight man scheme or if they're going to do zone, if they're going to do gap, just don't know yet. Honestly, I haven't watched enough of Jackson State to know how they'll do it or what they've done historically. But I'm going to say that at least, I'll go out on a limb and say at least four new starters on the O-line. Well, probably. I mean, you start looking at what's coming in. You got Savion Washington, who was a starter at Kent State. And the offensive coordinator was the head coach at Kent State. And the offensive line coach, Bill O'Boyle, was Washington's offensive line coach at Kent State. Mm -hmm. So you're probably not going to bring in Savion Washington as a transfer unless you think he's going to play. Similarly, Tyler and, Brown. By the a, way, he's massive. Yes. We have very large. He's well, 6'8", 320. He's not a dancer on his feet, but he yeah. is a road grader. We have large individuals. Something in that if you've watched some of the tapes of the workouts, some of the YouTube stuff, he is a large humanoid. He's a <laughs> well, and but you know, returning starter, you know, Gerard Lichtenhan is the large, the tallest player in CU history at 6'10. So, you know, imagine if you were, you know, in high school going up near 5'11 and 185 pounds and you're a defensive end going up against something like that. But Tyler Brown was a starter for Jackson State. So, again, you don't think he's going to come along with Coach Prime unless they figure he's going to start um, or at least play. And, you know, you've got Jack Wilty and Isaiah Yada, who are first and second team All-American junior, junior college players. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's not going to be that there's a great offensive line, but there, there's uh, certainly a lot of bodies out there, Brad, that, you know, have starting experience and seem to be something that Bill O'Boyle can work with. Well, and they have starting experience with the coaches. So you, you got to understand, especially given that we were had a little bit more pick than we usually have on the transfer portal. These coaches know these guys. I think, I think you're right. Washington is almost certainly a starter. I'll be surprised if Wells doesn't, um, because I think an experienced center makes sense. We could have, you know, 6'10 and 6'8 on, on the outside and then figure out who's going to play, who's going to play in, in the guard positions. These, again, because they come from Jackson State, because they come from Kent State, because guys like Landon Beebe, who's played a lot, 31 starts, there's just, last year there were times our offensive line did not look like they knew where to line up. These guys are at least going to be professionals. They are not probably going to be the most athletic offensive line in the Pac-12, but they're going to hit the guys they're supposed to hit. <laughs> and I think that's going to be better than sometimes we had last year. Well, and so I, I feel better. I feel slightly better about this crew than some other do because I just think there is raw material there to form into a line. Right. Well, and, you know, the new head, new uh, offensive line coach, Bill O'Boyle, um, was asked about the returners, uh, you know, and he said there was a lot of work to do, which is, you know, pretty blunt, but yeah. he says, I'm never going to knock any other program, but we've got a lot of ground to make up strength-wise. The physical part really has come has to come along. We have to get these guys in the mindset to where you're going to run 100 plays in a game and might hit 150 plays in practice. Right now, the kids are doing a great job in the weight room, but I can't wait for spring ball. So room for optimism. I mean, certainly it's, it's an improved offensive line. I don't think anybody's going to question that. How much of an improvement, 
to be determined, but that's a question to be answered this spring. So, uh, Stuart, if I may, just a quick question. It's about the strength and conditioning uh, coach, the regime change. It seems that the previous coach, while well-regarded, uh, was more of an agility, flexibility kind of guy. And it seems now this stuff goes in waves. We're back to more of a power weightlifting sort of uh, strength and conditioning coach. And maybe that means something about the chances of the new guys relative to the old guys. Because I remember that I was going to mention the quote you just did about lacking in strength. So if there's any advantage the new guys have, it may be from a weightlifting, physical strength, power perspective. Yeah, I, I've gotten past understanding or maybe even caring about strength and, strength and conditioning coaches in terms of optimism, because it seems like every new strength and conditioning coach is the answer to all of our prayers. And <laughs> I don't know why that doesn't work out. Yes, the, the guy from Stanford had a great credential and everybody was super excited about getting him. And not much came out of that. Now, obviously you've only got what you've got to work with. I mean, if you, the three of us were the uh, players, it doesn't matter who the strength and conditioning coach is, you know, we ain't going to become good players, you know? So you've got to have some talent to, to mold, but yeah, to your point, Neil, I, I hope that uh, this is the right answer with the right guy and, you know, the production will be there. So Neil, do you want to stick around for the defensive line or do you want me to pass it off to Brad? Oh, I, I need a break. I think Brad's ready to go on the DL. Okay, so we got nine scholarship defensive linemen this spring. Two returning starters, Jalen Sami and Naeem Rodman. One, two, three transfers, all of whom, you know, do have some experience, at least, at, you know, at other schools. And you got four sophomores. Um, so, you know, they haven't really seen much playing time that are returning. What do you, is it name Rodman and Jalen Sami, or is it going to be the new guys? Yeah, I think Rodman and Sami are going to get, probably get the best choice. And I'll be very surprised if they're not on the roster. And as bad as this bunch was last year, and Lord knows they were terrible. Um, there were times both of those guys looked like actual mid-level Pac-12 defensive linemen. And and they got better as the season got on, as that defense got slightly better. I don't think there's much doubt that Alston from West Virginia is going to be very much in the mix. I think he's going to be a big part of who this is going to be. You know, it's always interesting to see a guy who, you know, played well at Dartmouth. <laughs> yeah, well, up in the wild. <laughs> I mean, we talk about you know the the size and stuff. I mean, he, he at least looks like a power five defensive lineman. I mean, he's mm -hmm. uh, he's got he's from Dartmouth, but he looks like he can you know he can play at the power five level. Um, yeah, and I I think um, you know I again Jeremiah Brown, somebody they know. I I know that uh, the coat that. Prime wanted to bring some kids there from there, but I also think he wanted to be picky about the kids he brought. Again, the key here is that these guys, I mean, and a little bit opposed to the offensive linemen. Upshaw was recruited to Michigan. Dominic was recruited to Arkansas. Jeremiah Brown, um, you know, those, uh, Alston played at West Virginia. Those are real honest to God football programs. Um, <laughs> and, you know, even if it didn't necessarily work out great there, um, they've seen, a profession they've seen a high-end program they know how to compete at a in a high-end program and so it feels like i think this is going to be a really improved group probably the most second most improved group well third because quarterback has to improve or we're not going to do anything <laughs> but this and the defensive backs i think are going to be a, a pretty improved group um again there's just there feels like raw material particularly on the inside okay well, Neil, speaking of the inside part, I mean, we have a brand new here less than two weeks defensive line coach. Patrick Hill was around for about a month 
before he took off for the Minnesota Vikings. So now there's Sal Sunsiri, who was one of those special assistants at uh, Alabama for Nick Saban. So they have 10 assistant coaches at Alabama and 475 special assistants. Um, all of, you know, some of whom are, you know, ex-NFL coaches, and they're not even assistant coaches. They just have more money than they know what how to spend. But he did work with Charles Kelly, who's now the defensive coordinator, also came over from, from Alabama. So maybe it's not that much of a concern, or is it something that we should worry about, the fact that the defensive line coach, and we're talking about a defensive line that had nine sacks last year. Every other school in the country had at least 12. I mean, not, not only was CU 131st in the nation, but CU was 131st, and then there was a, a gap to 130th. So we concerned at all about the fact that uh, we've got a brand new coach, at one of the weakest units on the team, or is there enough going on there with all the transfers that uh, between the nine defensive linemen and the nine edge guys, that there's going to be enough to cobble together a, a power five defensive line? Well, I think it depends on how much Sal has left in the tank. Because one nice thing about having places like Alabama and Clemson and Michigan and Ohio State with all of their consultants and analysts is that they're essentially a holding tank for coaches waiting for their next job. And what better place to go shopping? <laughs> a coach, especially on defense, than Alabama. So I'm thinking this guy probably has some chops and he knows the D.C. very well. I'm assuming if there is indeed any talent among the D.L. group, they're going to be much improved. Brad's right. Uh, on a percentage basis, this is probably going to be the most improved group on the team. Yeah. I mean, you exceptions on the secondary. And Second thing is that what we're getting with a lot of these O-line and D-line recruits are, as Brad mentioned, kids that went to big programs and didn't shine. And now perhaps they've had a chance to mature and grow and get their heads straight and they're coming to see you. I think there's a lot of, a lot of potential in this group and it's going to be interesting to watch them develop. Well, I think one thing that you know, I found interesting just in terms of the splits that there's six transfers between the defensive line and the edge, and they're all upperclassmen. So these are not projects. These are not guys that we're bringing in. It's like, well, we'll develop this guy. We'll bring him along. These are guys, you know, we want to plug and play. And obviously, they're not all going to be playing at the same time, but they're banking on these you know, upperclassmen having a good idea of what they're doing so that they can participate and make the defensive line at least moderately successful compared to, well, what was on the, you know, pass for a defensive line last year. I think for me, names to listen for this spring are all going to be the returning sophomores that are going to be fighting for roster positions. I mean, you got Tyus Martin, Aaron Austin, who's shown some potential, Ryan Williams, Alan Ball, Devin Grant, Zion Magaly. I mean, these are all guys that are sophomores that are all returning from last year. I would be surprised if out of those six, what do you think, Brad, maybe two or three might make the team? These are guys who cannot break in in a defensive line that was arguably the worst in FBS. So, yeah, they, they're they all going to have to step up. Um, I mean, that's just the reality. If if two of them stick, I'll be very surprised. Okay. Well, Neil, since we gave Brad, you know, the defensive line, the edge, I'm going to give you the inside linebackers. And we've got 10 scholarship inside linebackers, no returning starters. This is one of the few units where there really isn't any starters coming back. Everybody left. Are you excited about the possibilities of what we've got at linebacker, or is this yeah, going to be a position of weakness for the for the defense? Well, I pulled up from cubus.com the roster and sorted it according to position. 
and they classify just guys as linebackers, as OLBs and ILBs. So it seems like there's a big overlap there. And I assume the OLBs are going to be the edge guys, the standard defensive ends. So they can't have, I don't know, whatever it is, 12 or 14 linebackers on a team. That's another place where I think um, we're going to be cutting down substantially. I think probably we may, it's going to be transfers starting on the two main inside linebacker positions. And the guy that I think maybe the guys from this squad that may survive would be um, Devin Grant, who has a lot of potential, but really hasn't played up to it yet. He's grown into a big body. Gustav, who has shown a lot of good play diagnosis ability and ability to find the ball, but he can't stay healthy. And Ludwig, who's just a big body, and I think may have a shot at being in the rotation at inside linebacker. The rest of the guys, I think, are probably probably not going to see fall camp. Okay. Well, Brad, you know, we've got virtually no starting experience coming back at inside linebacker. Uh, no. Levanta Bentley, the transfer from Clemson, probably is the most likely to to play. I mean, he's a senior. He did have some good stats when he got on the field, and obviously Clemson has a pretty good defense. But uh, the other transferred inside linebacker, you know, Deloitte Kennedy, A, he won't be here till the summer, and B, barely played at Alabama. Now, he did play for his defensive coordinator, Charles Kelly. So, obviously, Kelly thinks there's some, you know, something to get out of Kennedy when he gets here. But, you know, in terms of, Linebacker inside, you got Marvin Ham, Harato, Mr. Williams, Yogan Kelly, Aubrey Smith. Not a whole lot of snaps returning. So who's going to make the tackles? Who's going to be, you know, the Barry Remington? Who's going to be the Josh Chandler Semito of the uh, 2023 buffs? I, I think you're absolutely right about Bentley. And, and as opposed to defensive line, uh, you know, Marvin Ham didn't play a lot because there were actually football players ahead of him. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we had, you know, a guys playing linebacker last year who could actually play linebacker again, or one of the worst defenses in the FBS, but still. So I'd, I'd like to see him. I, I would like him to be a little stronger. And um, there were times he was not as close to the ball as we might have liked him to be. Um, but I think part of that was that he was, you know, kind of situational. No doubt if Bentley's healthy, he's going to be, he's, he was brought in to start. There is no doubt about that. Kennedy, all he's got is the name Alabama and the fact that he was well-regarded coming out of high school. Um, so I, I think Ham's going to make it. I think Bentley's going to make it. I think the rest of it, you know, Mr. Williams had some ups and downs and might be able to play, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see what's going on there. That's a position where you'd really like to say, Hey, you two guys play. And we, I think we got one of them. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, Brad, I'm going to stick with you starting the defense backfield, which might be one of the best stories coming out of the spring and maybe one of the best units that CU is going to have, uh, since at least the 2016 team and maybe going all the way back to the 90s when we started having Thorpe Award winners, you know, Chris Hudson and Dion Figures were our two Thorpe Award winners back in the 90s. Obviously, the the headliners at cornerback, Travis Hunter, Carmani, McLean's not going to be here till summer. Right. But there's 11 cornerbacks there, including Nico Reed, who – four months ago would have been pops on our list of players we were scared was going to leave the team because he might have been the best overall athlete on the team that was coming back. And now he's the, you know, slot, you know, corner nickel back or, you know, something right. like that. If, you know, the two five stars work out. I mean, you can't be too displeased about what we got going on at cornerback. No, I mean, if, 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 we, if we throw out Cormani McLean, Travis Hunter, and Nico Reed, because let's face it, 
the number of times we're going to play, there is zero chance we don't play nickel more often than we play two cornerbacks. That's just how it's going to work in the Pac-12. I don't know, except maybe against Stanford. <laughs> but, um, you know, I mean, those if you can put those three guys out there as your regular starting guys, I think Nico Ree probably does have the flexibility to play those slot guys. You could do a whole heck of a lot worse in a lot of places. Who's Who else is going to step up? Who's going to be able to, you know, do the – be the dime back and that kind of thing. And that's, that'll be an interesting situation. I kind of like Beasley. I think that, I think he can play a little bit, um, yeah. a little bit from what, what I've seen. Of course, it's all film, but I think that, um, that this, I think we're going to be able to, if you, you want to run out five wide receivers, we'll run out five corners. Yeah. <laughs> and be pretty comfortable <laughs> doing it. I mean, and, talk be, about... and just be like, okay, run, you, tr- you try it. Go yeah, ahead. You, you, we'll you see what we all. can do. Yeah, now, for the defensive mean, lines, as questionable as we think, they may have all day to do it. Right. <laughs> might be covering for ten seconds, but yeah, they yeah, can, they may they may have to cover it. for a while. But, but at least, you know, you like this bunch, and all we're all we're looking at here is who's going to get who's going to get cut before the freshmen even come in. I mean, we know that Travis Hunter, Nico Reed, Cormani McLean are going to be on the roster. Come fall, I think Beasley is certainly going to be on the roster. Come fall, after that, it, this this is pure evolution, man. If it is survive or move on, it is prove your worth or move on. Yeah, well, Neil, I mean, you know, Tavian Beasley, I mean, he actually played more games for Jackson State last year than Travis Hunter did. He was on the field more, and he came over with Coach Prime from Jackson State. So, again, you'd have to figure that they're not going to bring him in. Uh, Kendrick Breedlove, he was slated to be a starter at Ole Miss before he got hurt. What's going to happen with the likes of Nigel Bethel, Jason Oliver, Simeon Harris, Joshua Wiggins, Keyshawn Mills? These are all people that played for Colorado last year. Are they uh, really fighting for position? Or are we looking at a Pac-12 with, you know, at least a half dozen NFL quarterbacks? that you might need 11 quarterbacks to play in the Pac-12? Well, that's a good question. It goes to depth. You know, after, you know, the, the guys that we've been talking about, Hunter McLean, Beasley, Breedlove, and Reed, you're going to need, you know, a couple other guys to, for injuries and so on, as well as some guys to play the scout team. So I think it's going to be a battle for those maybe seven, eighth positions on the roster at corner. And I'd have to say the transfers probably have the upper hand there. I think part of it depends on, like Brad was saying, you know, their defense are probably going to be a base 3-3-5. And whether they go with three safeties or three corners probably depends upon down distance and game situation. But um, I'm thinking the transfers, this is one area where we need to improve our speed. And the main criticism that we'd heard around the Pac-12 about CU's roster was no speed whatsoever. So I think what the coaching staff has done is they brought in speed. And I expect a lot of those guys to supersede current roster players. Yeah. Yeah. Well, moving on to the safeties, I mean, I'll, I'll start with the safeties because I'm super excited about the safety position, which – was not something you could say at all, you know, six months ago, because it was, you know, a couple of starters and a couple of walk-ons. But you've got two returning starters, Trevor Woods, who might have been the best defensive player on the team last year when he wasn't targeting people. Um, Yeah, and Tyron Tyron Taylor um, was also a starter. But the two guys, the two names I'm looking to hear a whole lot about is Miles Slusher, who I think is going to be a star um, coming over from Arkansas, and Cameron Silman Craig, who another Jackson State guy. These guys have played a lot of football. And so all of a sudden we got four junior safeties who have all got – starting experience and 
well, we didn't, we don't, we haven't had that. <laughs> we just have, uh, you know, been hitting hope. So my, I'll throw it out to both of you, either one of you. I mean, am I overstating it or is this something where we should be excited about? This is before, of course, Shiloh Sanders officially becomes a buff this summer. And there's three redshirt freshmen CU has. And, you know, there's a, a freshman that got signed in the class of 23. So, I mean, there's 10 safeties there, but four of them at least have starting experience. Well, and again, they're going to know where they're supposed to be, you know, and, and I, I think safety is a disciplined position. I, I, you know, yeah, it's fun to watch the big hits and, you know, grew up watching, you know, Dennis Smith and those guys come flying in from the second, but they are going to know what their assignment is and where they're supposed to be. There were times last year we looked like a rodeo out, out in the secondary. <laughs> um, and so I think, I think you have every reason to be hopeful. I think, the, I think that's an area where they've recruited extro- extremely well and transferred well. I, again, I was really concerned at the end of last year, although I like Woods, um, about what we were going to do there. It will be interesting to watch, is it a corner, is it a safety, are we, are we playing three safeties and two, three corners and two safeties, do we have four corners out there? Um, I think this could be a very situational uh, defensive backfield, or, and, and we, we may see a lot of guys playing a lot of different positions. Trevor Woods is going to make the team and probably start, but the rest of them are going to contribute. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah. Well, Neil, we got 21 defensive backs on the roster, and there's 85 scholarships allotted. So <laughs> that's one quarter of the team. I can do a little bit of math. So one quarter of the team is listed as defensive back. Now, would you take the position that's probably way too many? And defensive backs is, of course, what Deion Sanders would know most about because. He's a Hall of Fame defensive back. Or would you make the argument that based upon the way the defense is going to be played, about half the time or half the roster or half the players out on the field are going to be defensive backs at any given moment, and the defense makes up half the team, so half of half is a quarter. So we should probably have a quarter of our team being defensive backs. That's great logic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't think it'll hold. I I would say out of the 21 that you've counted, we're probably going to end up somewhere between nine and 11 corners and safeties together. And that's probably a high number, but I think we're going to need some, probably have to have to make some allowance for injuries and, and so on. I yeah, I, I, I'd probably put it in the 12 to 15 range myself. But mm-hmm. even at okay. that number, you're cutting, you know, five or six players out of yeah. what we've got. And, of course, you know, Coach Sanders says that, you know, he's not done. So he's still out there looking for more players to bring in. So at this point, Colorado has 96 scholarship players. And, of course, like you say, Coach Sanders says he's going to bring in some more. So there's going to be some serious attrition. Uh, Hopefully, I mean, other than quarterback, where there is a decided gap of depth in the quarterback position, where else would you think that uh, after spring we might actually be looking to add more? Is more defensive linemen? Is that the, the only place that's left that needs more bodies? Or is it just the best available kind of thing like an NFL draft for Coach Sanders? Well, if you're if we're looking to fill the position, I think safety is fine. I think Trevor Woods is versatile. You know, he can he's good at run support. They can walk him down yeah. into the box. I think his weakness might be in coverage, but it depends how they mask that and play it. I think Taylor probably is going to stick around. Um, the other guys, you know, just if they like Brad said earlier, if they couldn't cut the lineup on last year's team. I'm going to suspect that a lot of the guys currently designated as safeties or corners not going to be around. Probably six to eight of those guys are going to go. If I had to pick one position group where if they could find a great player, first of all, would be QB. If they could find two, even better. Next group, I think we don't have a real standout at at linebacker. If they could find a stud linebacker, I would go with that. 
and then probably if we could find a real, you know, 6'6", 260 tight end out there roaming around looking for a home to complement uh, the guy that's coming in, the receiver, I think that's where they would go next. Okay. Brad, would you, you concur? I think, uh, yeah, I think inside linebacker in particular, I think they're going to be looking for is the most important. I, I, I don't know about tight end. I don't know if they're going to play a tight end. Obviously, if they could find another guy, another stand-up pass rusher, they'd take him. But, you know, that's like Everyone would. a unicorn. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you could find, you know, a winged unicorn, that would be nice to have as well. <laughs> those, those are uh, relatively thin on the ground, I think. No, and I did again, if you could find, you know, a guy, a six foot six, 340 inside defensive lineman who on run plays can just go, no, you don't get to do this. They don't know that we have that guy yet. I think they'd pick him up. Uh, if we could get half of Joel Steed, for example, that would be nice. But um, <laughs> so I, I don't know about tight end. I think they're going to try to make do out of that. But Neil may be right on that. But those up the gut in the defense on the line, I think they're going to be looking pretty hard there. And aside from quarterback, I think the rest of them, they're going it, to it's more about winnowing. Right. OK, well. We'll let that be the, the last word. We're going to get together a couple of times during spring practices leading up to the spring game, the ESPN nationally televised. I don't know if you saw that it's the only spring game that ESPN is actually covering on the, the mother network. Everything yeah. else is going to be ESPN News or Plus or Two or whatever. Even Georgia isn't getting ESPN coverage. So... Hopefully it's not going to be, uh, well, they don't have any quarterbacks, so we're just going to watch them run some calisthenics and then Deion Sanders' <laughs> yeah. highlight film from the Atlanta Falcons um, for an hour while 30,000 people sit around trying to get Deion's autograph or something. So yeah. hopefully the first line of defense is that the quarterbacks stay healthy and we find a, you know, might be the most interesting question, who's going to start for the other side when they mm -hmm. line up you know, we got Shadur Sanders. Is it going to be Drew Carter or is it going to be a true freshman, you know, starting at quarterback for the the gold team? Is it, you know, Ryan Staub going to make an impression? But we'll have plenty of time to hash over yeah. this stuff. So, well, I, I just hope the equipment guy keeps that red jersey nice and bright for Shadur. <laughs> <laughs> Do not hit the quarterback. <laughs> So not, maybe, TCU us, maybe TCU and Nebraska will let us carry those jerseys around with us so <laughs> our quarterbacks don't get hurt. Uh, yeah. But thank you, gentlemen. We're looking forward to the fact that Colorado University, University of Colorado, is going to have a spring practices with Coach Deion Sanders starting March 19th, culminating on April 22nd with the spring game. And I think we, along with the rest of the Buff Nations, looking forward to it. So thanks for your time, and we'll we'll talk with you soon. Good night, guys. Thank you. Good night, Stu. Thank you both for listening to the podcast and for being a member of the Buff Nation, which is finally being rewarded for its loyalty. I hope that you are subscribing to the podcast and leaving us ratings, leaving us comments, and just remembering to not miss any of the upcoming episodes. We have partnered with Mile High Sports and are pleased to be part of their podcast network. As before, you can always find the Suit the Game podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and other podcast sites. Or, if you're not a fan of downloading podcasts, all of the episodes can be listened to at the Suit the Game website. I'll be back soon with Neil and Brad. And we'll be taking on and talking about all things See You Spring. Until then, be well, stay safe, and go Buffs! Thank you for listening to our See You at the Game podcast. For links to articles and stories referenced in this podcast, go to cuatthegame.com. That's the letter C, the letter U, at thegame.com. 
If you have comments or suggestions, you can leave them on the website or send an email to seeyouatthegame at gmail.com. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to subscribe and share it with your fellow Buff fans. Until next time, when we will again see you at the game.